you're ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. The reason I am a fantasy football savant is because, Scott, I zig when other people zag. And the best example of this lately has been trading away Jalen Samuels of your Pittsburgh Steelers and a second round pick for Isaiah Crowell. And on the surface, that looks silly, right? Crowell, he's on the Jets. He's not good. Samuels could be the Le'Veon Bell replacement. Aha, but I have a bunch of young running backs and I got a feeling, my friend, that my team's got a chance to win this Dynasty Best Bowl League. So I did a little zigging when everybody else zags. Yeah, we all have feelings. Doesn't mean they mean anything. Uh, you know, so you can have that feeling. That that trade, you know, minuscule on the surface of things. Crowell could make a nice little impact. You know, a lot of these guys are really targeting all these young kids and all these young kids, even guys that, you know, don't stand a chance to play for like six years of being drafted. Isaiah Crowell's only 26, man. He's only 26. He could have double-digit touchdowns this year for the Jets. Double-digit touchdowns. He very well could, and he could also have 24 yards and be cut by week seven. So, yeah, that's true. And, and, Jay, and Jalen Samuels could be the Le'Veon Bell replacement, or yeah, he could James, not be. You don't know. I think James, I think James Conner would get first crack, at least goal line-wise. I think Conner would get the crack there. I think if Bell was ever hurt or something like that. You get a mix of both, but how you like to target those goal line guys, I think Connor would get first crack at the goal line. Well, we're in the last month of June, which means July is coming, which means we're getting a little frisky here on the Picking Up the Bliss Fantasy Football Podcast. July is the frisky month. Stories come out. Are they true? Are they false? We have no idea. We have to figure it out. That's what we're doing here on the podcast. So there's the whistle. Let's get into our first quarter news and notes. And this is an exciting uh, bunch of news and notes here. I'm sure you'll have very strong opinions, as you always do. The Athletics' Vic Talfer reports that as of Wednesday, Martavis Bryant had not been notified of a pending suspension. He said it reports that Bryant, quote, did not fail a drug test or miss another test for that matter. So their Raiders were fearing something because of their beat reporter, Michael Gelkin. But something seems to be not right here. Do you think Brian's going to miss time? Or is this, as our president would say, fake news? You read it this way and it says fake news. They said usually this guy, Michael Gekin, or Gelkin, is uh, extremely reliable. But apparently he also got a, a similar uh, tip from a source a few months ago in regards to Martavis Bryan. And that end up, ended up being killed. So maybe this is – maybe it was fake news. Listen – if Brian isn't suspended and he plays, he's got a chance. It's a new lease on life. He gets another young quarterback. He's a chance to make things happen in Oakland, you know, a second chance. But, uh, you know, for his sake that he doesn't get suspended again. And it probably affected a few people drafting him in our Dynasty League because when this news officially initially broke out, we were about, you know, round 15 of that league. Now we're still in round 28. Now guys take it seven hours you know, each to pick around 28. Let's just pick a name. You know, <laughs> nobody knows who these guys are. Just randomly pick one. I don't care if you got to flip a coin, eating mini money. Well, do something. If he's not suspended, could prove to offer some value for uh, Raider fans. The reason you listen to us, folks, is because we know what's real and what's not real. You can take it to the bank that Martavis Bryant is getting suspended again. There is no way this is fake news. Absolutely not. Look at his track record. Give me a break. Lock well, it. Well, then why, why, why hasn't it happened yet? It's been at, le- it's been at least seven to ten days since it initially came out. The, the, he is being suspended, 
because no player in the history of the NFL who's had two positive drug or uh, uh, substance abuse suspensions has ever been relative. I told you last year he wasn't. Josh gonna, Gordon. And what has he done yet? Well, what has he I done mean, yet? I know. I, let me keep. He came back. The, with, what has he got? What has he done yet? Field. What, what has he done yet? Field. Well, I mean. Well, what are we talking about? Everybody's excited. Everybody's excited about Josh Jordan. What has he done? What I don't care where he's being drafted. As a wide receiver one. I don't care if he's being drafted as a wide receiver zero. I don't care. What has he done? Actual NFL NFL caliber quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Oh, here we go. Yeah, like DeAndre Hopkins. Man, you guys got to have a quarterback like him. 2014. 2014. He had 24 receptions for 303 yards. 2015. He missed the entire season. 2016, he missed the entire season. Last year, 18 receptions. I'm just telling you, the last time Josh Gordon had more than 25 receptions was 2013. Oh, so I, you I can't use him as an example when he I, hasn't well, I mean, done he, it yet. He's about the only other example there is, really. You know, where, where else are we going? It's the same position. It's the same demons. So he's back after two strikes. He's going to get his final chance here. He was reinstated in a fight to get there. He's got a low world of talent. I mean, you can't deny the talent's not there. No, so. what did you hear what I said? What I said was no player in the history of the National Football League has been suspended twice for substance abuse and come back to make any sort of positive contribution. Okay, That's what, Josh, there's been Josh, hundreds of them. Where, where's Josh Gordon finished this year? No, I'm talking about skill position wise. Yeah, quarterback, running back, tight end, or okay. wide receiver. There hasn't been any. And that's my point. So you can't say what about Josh Gordon if he hasn't done it yet. I said history. So Martavis Bryant, I'm sorry. If I'm leaning on whether he's actually suspended or not, I'm going to lean he is. Yeah, He I mean, hasn't I, earned I, the benefit I, I, of the doubt, listen, has he? If it's out there, I'd probably lean that he gets suspended too. But, you know, there's a little bit of hope for uh, owners who've drafted him that maybe he won't be. And You just don't like something. admitting when I'm right. You just don't like him. I've, not, I've been there's right. nothing to admit to your right. You've been suspended two times for, for substance abuse and made no impact. There are none. Give me one. Give me give me the running back. Find me find me somebody that fits in this category. Oh, there's many, my friend. I don't have them on the top of my head because ah, I thought this was yeah, a, because, I, because this is obvious. This is like the this is like if it doesn't fit, you must acquit with OJ. I mean, it's it's get, obvious. Give me a break here. Get, get to your next news and notes, my friend. Read read what's on the paper next. I said it last year. He's not going to be that relevant. He has been relevant on four hundred days. Jamison Crowder feels healthier this offseason after struggling with hamstring issues, according to Mister Crowder. Scott, I feel great now. It was frustrating when you go out there with a lingering injury, you're already setting yourself behind. He's been a standout at OTAs. Alex Smith loves the guy. They're connecting. He feels he's dynamic. What do you think about Jamison Crowder in 2018? I think it's time to put up or shut up is what I think it is. If he's healthy, get on the field. He's not 25 years old. He's been around for a few years now. Get, get away from Kirk Cousins. You get Alex Smith. If the relationship's good and the rapport's been good, then show it to me on the field when it counts. Stay healthy. Go out there and put up the numbers you hoped he would have put last year when you pegged him as a wide receiver one. Put him out there. Give me 85 catches. Put up 1,100 yards and score some touchdowns. You know, that, that that's that's what I want to see. If, if, it's, if there's optimism and he's healthy, no excuses. Get out there. Produce. It's June 24th. By the time we get to July 24th, he may be in my top three overall PPR wide receivers. <laughs> Malcolm Mitchell is unsure if he'll be ready for training camp. Now, I know most people are going to say, who cares about Malcolm Mitchell? Well, Julian Edelman isn't there. And somebody's got to catch passes besides Rob Gronkowski. So Malcolm Mitchell was sort of a sleeper here that wasn't here last year. He was out. And they thought maybe he'd make a comeback. No Edelman 
Is this wheels up for Chris Hogan? I guess. I mean, maybe Philip Dorsett. Maybe Cordero Ooh, Patterson. Who, dra- who drafted Philip Dorsett in our best ball dynasty league last round? Well, probably you. I, <laughs> I believe I did. I mean, listen. Sure, Chris Hogan gets first crack, right? Where else are you going at the wide receiver position in New England? But Edelman suspended. I don't know how much of an impact Mitchell was going to make. I, you know, he's, I think he's got some talent. He just is maybe in the wrong system and the wrong wrong team to get out there. But if he's on, if he's not going to be ready to go for training camp, he'll become a uh, a non-factor real quick. He'll be buried on that depth chart, and there'll be other guys to target. Maybe Kenny Britt. Uh, maybe Kenny Britt makes a resurgence in New England. Well, I think it's worth noting here because I, I know we're, we're sort of always unsure of what's going to happen in, in New England. But you want to talk about Chris Hogan. Right now, Scott, he's wide receiver 26. Okay, so if he indeed is going to stay healthy, which has always been the knock against him in his career, and he's going to be the number one guy in New England, fifth round, almost sixth round for Chris Hogan, that's a pretty good deal, no? Yeah, I guess. I mean, Gronkowski, if healthy, is still there. And I think they'll use a lot of the running backs. You know, James White will get some action. They'll, they'll use all these positions. You know, Brady spreads it out. I mean, when Edelman's there, he's that go-to guy. There's no more Amendola. So it's got to be someone else he targets to be a number one. Maybe it is Hogan. But that ball is going to go all over the place. There'll be random people off the streets catching passes by week seven. You know, this next one, I, I for some reason, I have a man crush on Panthers rookie tight end Ian Thomas. He got reps with the first team offense at minicamp. It has been widely assumed that this is Greg Olson's last year, right? And Greg Olson got hurt last year. Ian Thomas, Ed Dixon was relevant for a couple games with the Panthers. Ian Thomas could have a very Evan Ingram-like possible explosion if things fall right. They drafted him as a project, uh, but he's shown enough to get behind. They have Chris Manhurts, whoever that is, at the number two. And he's got great pass-catching skills. I understand this. You're not drafting Ian Thomas in seasonal leagues. I understand that. But what I am saying, Scott, is if Greg Olson goes out with an injury, my first waiver wire claim is going to be for Ian Thomas. Talk about zigging when others zag. I, who drafted Ed Dixon in the Dynasty League? This guy did right here. <laughs> it could uh, be a good draft. It could be a good pick, man. Hey, listen. What what happened to your team tight end drafting? No no good here? Don't want to go Olsen and Thomas in this situation? <laughs> no, on Thomas, I had to go earlier. I wasn't willing to do that earlier. He went, he went pretty early because in Dynasty, people love him. Oh, my God. Listen, if this is Olsen's last year, then I think Olsen will still get plenty of action as long as he's healthy. Healthy. If he ever goes down, could Thomas make some sort of an impact? Sure, significant, probably not. They'll just go to other people. They'll have to utilize the wide receivers a little bit more, use McCaffrey more out of the backfield. I mean, but you know, if Olsen goes down week two, can you expect 50 catches from Ian Thomas? I'm going to say no. I'm just saying, if you look on player profiler, 4.740 yard dash at 6'4, 259. He's got an 83rd percentile burst score, catch radius. I'm just saying he's quite an athlete there. I understand it's going to be Olsen, but you just never know. Something to keep an eye on. Because folks, think about it. We guess, the way fantasy football works is you win on the margins, right? You win those little advantages. Like, Scott, we're, now they're not looking for us to come up with a 10th round guy who's going to be a wide receiver four, right? That, I mean, yes, Adam Thielen does exist once in a while, like last year. But, I mean, on the end, what you're looking for is a little bit of an advantage, right? A little bit of an advantage here, a little bit of an advantage there, and maybe that propels you to victory. Face it, man, when I won my league in 2015, I won my league because I picked up Tim Hightower. The debate was C.J. Spiller versus Tim Hightower, and I picked the right guy. And if you need a tight end in seasonal leagues and Greg Olson gets hurt and you grab Ian Thomas, that could be a home run, no? I mean, it, it, it could be. I mean, I, I, I don't think he'd have the type of impact that a running back get 15, 20 carries a game down the stretch in a postseason run. In fantasy postseason, plus pushing for a postseason spot in the NFL, 
would have gotten on Tim Hightower. So, you know, could he have some impact if Olsen goes down? Sure. Significant? Eh, not yet. SNY's Ralph Vaccarino reports a holdout is still on the table for our favorite wide receiver, Odell Beckham. Beckham told reporters last week that he does plan to attend training camp, but Vaccarino says that the holdout is still in play. The Giants are, quote, basically nowhere with Beckham. What do you think about this one? I don't know. Could you imagine if he holds out with Mike Francesa blow a gasket on WFAN out here in uh, the East Coast area? If he holds out, he holds out. I mean, they're going to they're gonna pay the guy, right? I mean, you're looking at this. The Giants will eventually pay this guy. I think he'll m- maybe pull something similar to what Bell does, maybe skip training camp and come back right before the season starts so he doesn't get hurt in, tra- in the preseason. Ultimately, I think he lines up and plays for the Giants this year with or without the contract and, and rolls the dice and sees how it goes. But, you know, all Giant fans want him to be paid. I think the Giants, if they weren't, if they didn't trade him by now, aren't going to trade him. So might as well pay him. You, you had every intention to pay him because you didn't move him. So pay the guy, get it over with, and uh, let's stop talking about this contract situation, which I feel like it's been going on for years now. And, guys, if you're a real fantasy football savant, then you have to care about the little people. You have to care about the wide receiver twos on teams that most do not care about. These are your waiver wire specials. And our last news and notes, Darren Urban, very reliable beat reporter from ArizonaCardinals.com, lists Chad Williams as a projected starter. That would mean he would be opposite Larry Fitzgerald and ahead of both Bryce Butler, who they just signed, J.J. Nelson, who flashed last year, and the highly touted second-round rookie Christian Kirk. This is a classic example, Scott, of when you're in your redraft leagues and you're doing your CBS league or you're doing your My Fantasy league or your Yahoo league and you need a last-round or second-to-last-round wide receiver, Chad Williams could be that guy. Fitzgerald's old. He could get hurt. J.J. Nelson, what has he done? I'm just saying, if Chad Williams takes that reliable role next to Fitz, which we saw John Brown did a couple years ago, then you know what? He could actually be a decent wide receiver three, no? Pegged as as the starter opposite Fitzgerald come redraft time when most people do their drafts in early August, mid-August. He's not going to go as late as you think. He's going to go earlier. So will the value be worth it at that point if he's drafted it, I don't know, let's say the 12th round as opposed to the 16th round? Is the value is the value the same? We'll see. I mean, it's early. It's you know still the end of June. If he impresses and continues to impress, and he's still listed as the number two, then there's definitely some value there. Depending on who's throwing the football, do we think Sam Bradford's going to be around for two weeks, or are we going to see Josh Rosen for the season? It all, all depends. But still, Fitzgerald's Mister Consistency. That's the guy you really want out there. Yeah, it's amazing too. Is right now. People are doing their drafts. There are we're gonna we're gonna start the uh, the Scott Fish Bowl soon in a couple of weeks. There are people out there who are doing drafts, and everybody falls in love with the rookie, and they fall in love with Christian Kirk, who's been highly touted. But don't be surprised. Pay attention to what goes on in those preseason games. Pay attention to training camp because Chad Williams could be you know your bye week replacement wide receiver three. It's not crazy, right? No, not at all. All right, moving on. Second quarter. So we did our. QB rankings before. Now we're doing our running back rankings. So we have our top 25 PPR running back rankings for you. So we have ours listed. We also have the Fantasy Pros consensus. So we're talking about comparing and contrasting. So we're going to give you the top 25 that we have for each of us. Scott, you're going to kick us off here. Take a look at who are your top 12. Give us your RB1s here right now as we sit at the end of June for the 2018 fantasy season. Yeah, so the top twelve for me, the top four are the standard guys that you would you would target here. For me, Bell, Le'Veon Bell will be number one. 
I'm with you on the Ezekiel Elliott hype. I know you're pegging him here to be a potential number one overall and finishes the RB1 top guy. I'm with you. I'm going to put him in the two spot. I'm going to put a healthy David Johnson as my number three. Todd Gurley is going to go to four. And then this is where things shake up a little bit for me as far as the consensus. And you'll realize once I finish the top 12 what I mean. Alvin Kamara goes up to number five. You know, Mark Ingram for six weeks. We've talked about that. He's going to be the only game in town. Maybe some action from a Trey Edmonds or Jonathan Williams to spell him here and there. But for six weeks, he's going to get that chance to be the number one guy. So for me, he's going to move up to the number five. Big on Leonard Fournette this year. I think Leonard Fournette has a real big year in Jacksonville, another year in the league. He was very good as a rookie, and I take I think he takes the next step forward here in Jacksonville. So I don't, I don't expect a sophomore slump. I put him in number six. Your guy Melvin Gordon cracks the top 12 for me as the number seven. Again, he is the only game in town out there in San Diego. If he can ever get the yards per carry up, that will definitely help his fantasy value. Kareem Hunt goes to eight. I know there's a name people are waiting to hear, and he hasn't been there yet. You know he's not going to be there for a little while. I'm on the Jarek McKinnon bandwagon. He is number nine for me. He's going to crack the top 12. I think he has a real big breakout year with Garoppolo in San Francisco. Another guy that I think has a big year. I've talked about it a bunch of times. Derrick Henry is number 10. Again, I think it's his time to really run with it in Tennessee. Deion Lewis is there, but this is Henry's chance to really prove what he can do and really take take the lead role on there in Tennessee and be significant in all aspects of the offense. Dalvin Cook coming back for an injury. I put him at number 11. And number 12 is the old veteran, LaShawn McCoy. Of the Bills, he'll be number 12 for me. And you notice there's a, uh, a name missing from the top 12 that we've talked about a bunch so far in this podcast. Well, that's because you're very intelligent, except for the fact that you put Le'Veon Bell number one. But we know that with Ben Rossberg is going to be the sixth best quarterback. We know you're going to have Antonio Brown's number one wide receiver and Le'Veon Bell be the number one running back. So I guess you got the Steelers going, what, 15-1 and one this year? That we got? Six, six, 16 and up. 16 up. Very good. We're close on some. A couple we're a little bit off on. I do have Zeke number one. I've told you the reasons why. I bind the offensive line. They don't have any receivers. Who knows if it'd be Terrell Owens. I think he catches balls out of the backfield. Some people don't think he does. Yes, he does. He had a decent share at Ohio State. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be your number one. Number two is Gurley. I know that there's going to be more positive game script for St. Louis, for um, for the Rams this year out in LA. So I think Gurley, he does it all. He was number one last year. It doesn't. They don't repeat. The top running back doesn't repeat. But I think Gurley will come pretty darn close. There has to be a shakeup here. You can't go chalk. If you go chalk, it's just not going to happen that way. It never does. I'm putting Melvin Gordon number three. I'm putting Melvin Gordon number three because of all everything I said. I think the Chargers have a pretty decent schedule. You talked about that I think two pods ago. When we went over it. He's the only game in town there. I don't think he can catch the ball. He's going to get the ball at the goal line. There's no Hunter Henry, which means more targets for him. Then somebody has to pop out. It is not going to finish DJ, Bell, Zeke, and Gurley. It's not. It never does. So you have to put somebody in there. I like Melvin Gordon. Fourth, I will put DJ there. I was hesitant on this one because I do like Bell. I think Bell has a high floor. The reason I put DJ is because of the goal line touches, which Bell does not get. He has not been a double-digit rushing guy. He has to go for those receiving yards. And I just have a feeling that he used to be injury-prone. Now he hasn't been injury-prone for a while. I just don't feel that comfortable putting him way up there, but I certainly have him high enough. I have him number five. Number six, Alvin Kamara, all the reasons you just said. There's no reason to mention to go over them again. Leonard Fournette, number seven. Leonard Fournette does catch the ball a decent amount. And the other thing is, partner, who is the backup to Leonard Fournette? Go ahead. Who's the backup? Uh, TJ Eldon. That, the fact that you, with all your knowledge, took three seconds to get that shows you that Fournette is getting the ball. So it's, again, the same thing. They have to run the ball. Student body left. Tom Coughlin, you know I love him. 
Kareem Hunt, it's Andy Reid. He's going to catch balls out of the backfield. Pat Mahomes, I think that keeps his floor high. I have Joe Mixon number nine. All the reasons we talked about, volume, he is a good pass catcher. He had a couple long runs last year. And again, it won't be the same way you think it is. So when you line up your top 10 right now, it will never finish that way. You need something to be a little crazy. And Joe Mixon, the Bengals struggled last year. Their offensive line got hurt. I don't know if the Bengals are going to be very good or not. And if they're not, I think Mixon is going to get some balls, as is Giovanni Bernard. Number 10, I got a Devontae Freeman. Death taxes and Devontae Freeman. He's the only game in town there at the goal line in the red zone. We love Tevin Coleman, but Freeman gets the touches. Same thing for McCoy, and I actually put Derrick Henry number 12. You have him 10. I agree. I'm going by half-point PPR in my rankings. Folks, Derrick Henry is a lock for double-digit touchdowns, and if he's a lock for double-digit touchdowns and you think he's going to get 1,000 yards, he is more than likely an RB1 in any format. I'm not buying into Deion Lewis like Scott said. I have Derrick Henry number 12. All right. Well, like I said, we, we got some we got some guys that are pretty close. I mean, we're both, both on Fournette. We're both on Henry. You know, our top five similar, just a mix in the order. So, yep, Bell and Ellie and so forth. If I look at the top, my, the rest of my uh, top 25 and go to number 13, and that's where you'll find Saquon Barkley at number 13. I get it. Everybody's saying 250 touches, 300 touches. I mean, we're talking about a rookie running back coming behind a Giants offensive line that was utterly embarrassing last year. They bring in, they bring in Nate Solder. They draft a lineman. You think things are going to get better. You move Eric Flowers over, but that doesn't mean that 250 touches is guaranteed lock here. It's a lot of pressure on Eli Manning this year. It's in a situation where there's going to be again high expectations for the Giants, so they're going to have to produce. I just don't see 250 uh, touches, 300 touches, whatever it might be, and a top five finish for Barkley behind an offensive line that's still suspect. And that pre-Nate Soldier was ranked 26 by Pro Football Focus. How much does Nate Solder improve that offensive line? Let me go from 26 to 10. Not, not in my book. So there, that's still a shaky spot. Christian McCaffrey comes at 14 for me. He'll be in the mix with C.J. Anderson. But after having 80 catches last year and over 110 targets, he'll get similar numbers this year, another year in the league. He'll be able to move forward off that. Your guy, Devontae Freeman, plug him in at the 15th spot. He is the only game in town when it comes to goal line. He'll split the action with Tevin Coleman when healthy. But at the goal line, it is Freeman and Freeman only. Jordan Howard at 16. Joe Mixon at 17. I, I agree with you. Mixon's going to get a lot more action. I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to put up top 12 numbers. He could. I mean, he's on 17 for me, but there's really no reason he couldn't finish in the top 12. But just the way I put this down, to put him at 17. Alex Collins, I put at 18 as being the guy to get the first crack with the Ravens in Baltimore. Duke Johnson, I move up to 19. I'm high on Duke Johnson. I think he's going to be one of my late-round late, va- late round value guys. You know, after all the receptions he had last year, signed to this contract, he's gonna get he's gonna be involved in all aspects of this offense. He'll get carries, he'll line up in the slot, he'll catch passes out of the backfield. So Duke Johnson's a reliable use in Cleveland. I know you're high on Lamar Miller, I'll put him at number twenty for me this uh, going in right now as we sit here late June, he'll be number twenty, first crack to to run with that Texans offense, buying a healthy Watson, uh, Hopkins and Fuller and so forth. Kenyon Drake, who I'm down on, he's at twenty one. Darius Geis will be the first rookie to crack this for me. Other than Barkley, he'll be at 22. Jay Ajayi at 23. He'll get a lot of the carries in Philadelphia. Tevin Coleman, the other half of that Atlanta combo, 24. And 25, we'll throw in Sony Michel as the guy to possibly be the most productive running back in the New England backfield. All right, I'll rattle off my second half, and then I'll blow you up and tell you where you're wrong. 13, Jarek McKinnon, same reasons you said. You got to believe in Lamar Miller. It's just about opportunity. There is absolutely no way. Lamar Miller has finished inside the top 16 each of the last couple of years. 
He is the only game in town. Deshaun Watson will make the running lanes open for him. He is not good. I am not a Lamar Miller fan. Scott, if you think about it, is anyone a Lamar Miller fan on Twitter? Have you ever seen anybody say they're a Lamar Miller fan? They always have to preempt it with, I don't like Lamar Miller, but. Well, there's enough of that that I believe in it. Christian McCaffrey, love the PPR format, love catching the passes. He doesn't get the goal line work. You can't put him top 10 if he's not getting goal line work. I actually like Jordan Howard this year. I didn't like having him this low. But I simply couldn't put him any higher. I don't see him going ahead in any of the other guys. If there was a goal line back in San Francisco, I could probably put him ahead of Jarek McKinnon, but there isn't. I am with you with Barkley. We've talked about this. I have Saquon Barkley, number 17. This is where I think he will finish in half-point PPR leagues at the end of the season. I have him 12 spots lower than consensus. The rookie running back, plug him in, and they're automatically an RB1, has gone way too far. He's an incredible athlete. I agree with my partner's sentiments on their offensive line, and there's a lot of people who are going to be involved in that offense. I'm not buying it. I'm also not buying that he may get the ball at the goal line. I still think Jonathan Stewart could possibly get a little work. Dalvin Cook, 18, for the same reason. They still have Latavius Murray. Cook was very effective last year, but he hasn't always had the greatest work ethic, and I'm not sure if off that small sample size we can project him for RB1 format. I like Darius Geis as a rookie running back. He's the only game in town in Washington. There's gifs of him out there catching passes. I know Chris Thompson is there, but Geis is going to get that ball at the goal line. They want him. He's he's motivated by being passed over in the draft, so I think he'll do very well. Jay Ajayi, he's, on a, he's the goal line back. Stop with Chris Corey Clement, whatever the heck his name is. I'm done with it. It's going to be Ajayi, and that'll keep him in the top 20. Then we go to uh, Collins on Baltimore. I have him three lower than consensus. The guy I really like is Marshawn Lynch. If you think the Raiders are good and you think they're going to score and you think their offensive line is improved, and I agree with all of that, then Marshawn Lynch should actually have a pretty decent run. Duke Johnson, for the reasons you said, Tevin Coleman and Kenyon Drake. I had to put him in there. I didn't want to, but I guess I will put him in there. I really want to put Kalen Balaj at 25. Yeah, I mean, that second half, we're pretty close on most of these. I mean, Marshall Lynch, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying Marshall Lynch. He's another year older. There's two younger running backs out there. And then you brought in Doug Martin as well. See, so Doug Martin, Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington. I just, Lynch looked slow to me last year. I mean, I know Carr got hurt, and you know, they did Raiders and just were not that good overall. But I, I just, I'm not buying Marshall Lynch, so I, I won't have any pieces of Marshall Lynch, that's for sure. But you really look at this elsewhere. I mean, outside of Dalvin Cook being 18 for you and 11 for me, Barkley, we both have him low. You have him lower than I do, but we got the same difference. We're on the same on Howard. We're similar on Ajayi and Geis and Collins and so forth. So the second half, we're um, pretty much in in lockstep here, uh, partner. Don't you think that Marshawn Lynch, he's going in the seventh or eighth round right now. Don't you think if the Raiders are good? Now, if you don't think the Raiders are good, I understand that. But let's just hypothetically say the Raiders are decent, okay, and they score. Can't he be like LeGarrette Blunt was on the Patriots? I, I just – he looked really old to me. I mean, here, Marshawn Lynch or Rex Burkhead? Who are you taking? Oh, Rex Burkhead. Okay, Marshawn Lynch or Isaiah Crowell? Oh, I would probably take Marshawn Lynch better offense. Okay, Marshawn Lynch or Tevin Coleman? Marshawn Lynch. All right, well, then you're, you're higher on him than I am. I, I'm just not – you know, he's in that same category. He's in that same area with Kerry Ann Johnson, C.J. Anderson, Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen – in, in that draft spot, Marshawn Lynch to me, he just he, he didn't look good last year. There was no, no point that he ever looked healthy. I mean, what do you have? One game where he kind of broke out a little bit. Everything else is like tr- running in mud. So he's a year older. He's got three other running backs that are back there with him. Doug Martin could get goal line carries. Can he? 
I mean, Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington, there's a bunch of guys that are going to get touches out there. I just, I'm, I'm not buying the Marshall Lynch thing. I mean, it's not like we're talking about a guy in the top 10 here. We're talking about a lower end, you know, RB, you know, RB2 and so forth. But yeah, for me, I'm just not buying it. The reason I didn't put Rex Burkhead in there is because I'm going by end of year points. I am positive that Rex Burkhead is going to have like a six to eight week, week run where he's going to dominate. I'm so just, like Mike Gillisley. No, Mike Gillisley had a one week run and that was about it. But <laughs> but I, I, I know there's going to be Belichick shenanigans with the backfield. I just don't see Sony Michelle being top 25 running back. I, the, the fumbling problems, he's not going to be trusted the goal line. Listen, if you told me Rex Burke had stayed healthy for 16 games, I probably have him as my RB9. I probably had him ahead of Mixon. But right now in June, and I still will give you the, the acknowledgement that it could be Sony Michelle for a little bit. And then it, you know, who knows it could be after that. I just want to see it first. But I think Rex Burkhead is very solid. He's the one I struggle with. I, I just don't get Michelle. Top 25 for Sony Michelle? Top 25, but number 25. So yeah. it's not like I put him at 12 or 14. You know, I had to look, see who I thought may be able to make an impact out of that backfield. I like Burkhead like you do. I think he can get first crack at goal line t- touches. But I think long term, I think Michelle maybe just winds up with the higher numbers out of that backfield. And like I said, you're splitting hairs with the rest of these backs that are either you know number twos on a team or scat backs and so forth. So at that point, it's... And I like throw a lawn dart and see who's number 25. Totally agree. Let's go in, and I stole the title of the third quarter from your article, your wonderful article for Last Word on, on Pro Football that you put out, the spotlight. So let's call this the picking up the blitz spotlight debate. What we're going to do here is we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock, and both of us are going to argue a, a side of a very close debate that's going on right now in the fantasy community. The one we've picked tonight is Devontae Freeman and Christian McCaffrey. I believe I'm taking Mr. Freeman, partner, and you're taking Mr. McCaffrey? Yeah, I mean, I'll let you have Freeman because you're in love with the guy. So, I mean, it would just be, it'd be awkward if, you know, I tried to have you uh, defend McCaffrey against him. And we'll start the clock and you can go into uh, your reasons for McCaffrey. We'll get the TikTok going and then I'll come back and do mine and we'll let the public decide. How about that? All right. So, what are we getting? 60 seconds here? You are getting 60 seconds on the clock to give me a reason why, let's say, half point PPR, Christian McCaffrey is going to have more points than Devonta Freeman. That is the question. Go ahead. Convince our loyal listeners, convince the picking up the blitz fans on why C-Mac is the choice over Devonta Freeman. Well, full disclosure, I like both of these guys relatively equally, but if you're going to pick between C-Mac and Freeman, lean towards C-Mac for the, the, the fact that he can catch double the passes that Devontae Freeman's going to be, and his snap share is higher than Devontae Freeman. Tevin Coleman's going to get much more action than C.J. Anderson probably will. Anderson's going to get those goal line looks, but Coleman gets, is on that field inside, uh, outside the 20s more often than not, and his snap share compared to uh, Devontae Freeman was a good 10 points higher. He was number one in targets for running backs at 113. He was third. The Carolina Panthers were third in team run plays, nearly 500 run plays on the season. And he was on the field 72.4% of the time, whether it was catching the balls or running the balls. Finished with over 1,000 yards combined as a rookie. And they started off a little bit slow with him. Ron Rivera was really tight. Wanted to get him there. 5.5 yards per touch, seven touchdowns, 80 receptions. 23rd in the red zone with 26 touches. The goal line carries are zero, and that's going to be your only hindrance. Well, that was a pretty good argument. And if you weren't wrong, I probably would agree with you. But let me start my own countdown here, and here we go. 
Devonta Freeman is the only choice in this discussion. Christian McCaffrey is very cute. He's cute at 5'11", 202 pounds. The issue is, yes, he's number one in targets, and I understand that carries it. But here's the problem. Devonta Freeman also gets a lot of targets as well. He had 47 targets last year, and he was injured for a lot of that year. And the year before, he had 65 targets, which is top 10. So Devonta Freeman also catches passes. But the reason you're going to take Freeman is because of the red zone. Red zone touches for Christian McCaffrey, 26 last year. Red zone touches for Devonta Freeman, 39. And if you look at Devonta Freeman's stats over the last three years, rushing-wise, 11 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns, and 7 touchdowns. Receiving-wise, 3, 2, and 1. He does everything for this team. They trust him at the goal line. He, he has over 1,000 yards in 2015, rushing and 2016. He's got 865 last year. only reason he didn't break 1,000 is because he was injured. There is no debate. It's Devonta Freeman over Christian McCaffrey. You said a lot of targets. He had 47, and you said a lot of injuries. He played in 14 out of 16 games. Yeah, he was so, busted up for so a couple of those, too. Now, yeah. relax. Can stop. I'm stop. telling you. I'm he t- had 47 targets. McCaffrey had 113 targets. That's not close. You want to say Freeman was – he was 23rd in targets and McCaffrey was number one. You ran down the touchdowns of 11, 7, and whatever it was rushing for Freeman. Flip it the other way, it, it's the exact opposite. McCaffrey had two rushing but five receiving. So the, they both put up very similar numbers. You're talking about a PPR league, and the difference maker can be the fact that he caught nearly 45 more balls, was targeted nearly 70 more times, and the red zone touches were only 13 apiece. I will give you McCaffrey with the goal line carries were basically not there. Could that change this year a little bit? Maybe. C.J. Anderson will probably get them. But everything else McCaffrey does outside the 20s and inside the 20s makes him very, very valuable. And I think Tevin Coleman plays a little more of a role than C.J. Anderson might. Run blocking efficiency for the Falcons last year was eighth. Alex Mack opens up holes as soon as he hikes the ball for Christian McCaffrey, who's 22nd. There is no way on God's green earth that a running back who gets 435 rushing yards is going to beat Devontae Freeman unless you chop Devontae Freeman's leg off in the first three weeks. 435 rushing yards. I think you could get 435 rushing yards. He's all PPR, but you're falling into this trap that everybody does. Satellite backs, they catch passes. Yeah, they don't catch 10 a game. That's not how it works. In the end the way you win fantasy football is scoring touchdowns they're worth six that's how you do it and Devontae freeman does it almost as well as any other running back outside the big four all right moving into the fourth quarter i did a little i put this out on twitter partner 2017 redux what i did was i looked at some of our biggest splash players last year the biggest fantasy football players that exploded from the low mid to late rounds okay and really came to be stars. Obviously, Alvin Kamara is going to be the first one we talked about. And I looked at where they were being drafted in seasonal leagues, and I matched them up with who is in that spot right now. So what I'll do is I'll go one by one. I want to get your reaction to it. My question is, could it happen? Can you see a way that there could be a similar-like explosion from this current player? For example, last year in in half-point PPR formats, Alvin Kamara was the 52nd running back being taken. Ironically, you know who that is this year? Giovanni Bernard. Uh, No. Can Bernard have a productive season? Sure. Can he have an Alvin Kamara-type season from last year? The answer is no. Unless Joe Mixon falls over and there's nobody else to run the ball, even in that case, I don't think Bernard can have 
a Kamara-like season of 2017. If so I told you, how high would you go with, is it possible? Could Giovanni Bernard be the RB20 in half-point PPR formats? No. RB25? No. Okay, the 30. You'd say 30. I would. Be, that would okay. basically where I'd put him in that uh, Tevin Coleman, Tariq Cohen area, okay. possibly. Okay. Right. That, but that would be at a peak. I think he could be RB. I agree with you. He can't be RB one. Okay, he cannot be RB now. But I think he could be low in RB two. I do see a possibility, especially if mixing gets hurt, because I think he's actually a pretty good runner between the tackles, better than Alvin Kamara was last year. Interestingly enough, next one: Carson Wentz was QB seventeen. He was late in most drafts. He was pretty much dominating and was the MVP of the league until week fourteen when he went hurt when he got hurt. And he ended up second among fantasy QBs, even though he got hurt in week 14. This year, the QB 17, Marcus Mariota. Yeah, this one has a better chance than Bernard does for sure. This is a, another year removed from the injury, so you've got to assume Mariota's healthy. We both think Derrick Henry has big has a big season, which can only help Mariota in the passing game and help him move his legs a little bit. Can he finish as high as Carson Wentz did last year? I don't think he'll be as high, but Mariota most certainly can finish as a QB1 and could possibly finish in that top eight area. Yeah, I think Mariota could have a very, very big year. I'm be- I'm huge on the Mariota bandwagon. I'm talking about positive regression here, folks. What I'm talking about is, la- is two years ago, we had that stat where he never threw an interception in the red zone. Remember that? He was a 22, <laughs> 22 yeah. touchdowns. And last year was an absolute disaster. So he could have positive regression. That offensive line should be better. They have a new offense, still has some weapons there. So yeah, I'm with you. I think this is one that could absolutely happen. Next, Duke Johnson was the RB38 last year in terms of ADP. Now, listen, he was not flashy, but he was around an eighth, eighth round draft pick, give or take, seventh round. And last year, according to Fantasy Pros in PPR formats, Duke Johnson was the RB11. So he was an RB1 in PPR formats, yet really wasn't used properly. So this year, the RB38 is, shockingly, Isaiah Crowell. Well, listen. <laughs> You know, Bilal Powell is still there with the Jets. Bilal Powell can do a little bit of both. Did you see that? They said they like Elijah McGuire better. They're saying Elijah McGuire is actually getting more snaps. Yeah, McGuire's got the speed, and he's got that (laughs) sneaky speed. But if we go to your goal line theory, I'd say Crowell probably gets first crack inside inside the five Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. for this team. So that could definitely benefit him. Duke Johnson had a monster year last year. Every, I, I said, I said it last. We said it last podcast. I don't think many people realize that he had 93 catches last year. So it was a sneaky, sneaky good year for him. Can Crowell finish as a low RB two in that situation in, in New York? You know, we have to see how that plays out. But he, like you said, he is still young and he's got talent. It's a new lease on life for him as well. You'd expect the Jets to probably try to want to run the ball a good amount, especially you know if. At some point, Darnold's behind, you know, behind center and then trying to get the rookie's feet wet. So, you know, Crowell's an interesting guy. He was at Alabama State. He was undrafted, right? And he didn't have a real big impact in the passing game at Alabama State. But he did have 53 targets with the Browns in 2016, and he did have 42 targets last year. He catches more passes than you think. So, I agree with you. If you if he gets the goal line work, he's not coming off the field every time they need somebody to catch the ball. And listen, Scott. You're not going to put the satellite back on the field every time when you're going to throw to him because then the other team's going to figure that out. Okay. Yes. So if they do some like play action on the first down, first down, I think Crow could get some passes. I think he's a very, very sneaky guy, which is why I trade for him. Jalen Samuels. Thank you very much. 
Wide receiver drafted Adam Thielen last year, wide receiver 42. That was an ADP that hovered in the eighth round. He really, along with Kamara, was probably the two biggest surprises, right? And he was a top 10 PPR wide receiver. He had some of his best games down the stretch of the season. Adam Thielen was a fantasy darling. The wide receiver 42 in this year so far in ADP, San Francisco's Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, this one's interesting for me because you, you know him high on Marquise I Goodwin. I know you are, yes. And Adam Thielen finished, what, as a wide receiver four last year? Is that what it was in PPR? I'll look it up right yeah. now, but I think it was close to that. This one, I mean. Eight, I, wide I'm receiver high, eight last year. Wide receiver eight. Marquise Goodwin, I'm not going to tell you he's going to be a wide receiver eight this year, but I am going to tell you I would not be surprised if he cracks the top 15. I do think that. He had very good chemistry last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. I know Pierre Garçon is there, and we respect what Pierre Garçon has done in his time, but he is 31 years of age. Goodwin's a little younger. He's got that burner speed. I'm not going to put him in the feast of famine category with Deshaun Jackson just yet. I think there's talent there. And a full year of Garoppolo, McKinnon in the, in the backfield to open up the field a little bit for him. You, you know, you say we got to zig with another zag, right? So for, this would be that, 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 that one for me. I'm going to tell you that Marquise Goodwin – is a top 15 wide receiver this year. Wow, wow. Right now he is listed as the starting wide receiver opposite Garcon. And the only guys behind them, Aldrick Robinson, Kendrick Bourne. They got Trent Taylor in the slot. Dante Pettis is in there somewhere. Listen, you know I love Jimmy G. Could he turn Marquise Goodwin into a 75 reception guy with those big play wide receivers? It's possible. It's possible. That'd be iffy to get to the PPR format of Adam Thielen because he's not really a, a safety valve guy. But I'm with you. I think Marquise Goodwin could be some nice sneaky value late round. Well done, partner. And the last one, Evan Ingram was drafted as a tight end 20. Now, this one is special because Beckham got hurt and Marshall got hurt and everything that went on last year with the Giants. A top 10 fantasy season does not happen for rookie tight ends very often. So the match to him is not a rookie because that would really probably make me think it's not even worth talking about it. But the tight end 20 right now, Austin Hooper of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Austin Hooper's not going to have unless you know, he doesn't have the benefit that Ingram did. You know, Julio's going to be there. Sanu's going to be there. Calvin Ridley's going to be there. The two running backs are going to be there. Uh, Hooper, though, he's definitely tight end one uh, candidate. This year, for sure, could be a top 10 tight end. It's, I don't want to say make or break for him, but it's getting close. You know, there was a lot of expectations for Hooper last year. I'm sure Hooper was drafted much higher than Ingram was last year. So, and now to try and finish where Ingram did, who we both think takes a big step back this year. Yeah, I mean, I'll put him in the top 12. I put Hooper to finish at number 10. And top of my head, I do not remember where Ingram finished last year. You may have it in front of you, but I would say Hooper could be a tight end 10. Sure. Yeah, I um, I don't have it in front of me, but I do. I, Ingram was very solid. I think Hooper could be absolutely be late for late tight end one type of value. Very late on that, like 10, 11, 12. Julio could always get injured. Muhammad Sanu is a safety valve. Calvin Ridley's a rookie. We know about rookie wide receivers. Austin Hooper is a big guy. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl when they blew the lead to the Patriots. I think he absolutely could be. You know I like late-round late tight ends. You know I messed up on Hooper last year. Totally whiffed on him. 
but I could go back to the well a little bit. If you're not drafting tight end early with the Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski area, and you're waiting, I think Austin Hooper is as good as any because the first thing is he's got no competition. I did the uh, draft kit for uh, Player Profiler, and I did was blessed. I actually requested, Scott, if you find this hard to believe, to do Austin Hooper. No, and, I don't find it hard <laughs> to believe whatsoever and, at all. And, and Austin Hooper isn't being challenged. So yeah, I think that's a good one. Amazing. History could repeat itself, right? Yeah, very possible. You know, it's funny. People must be people at our Dynasty League must be listening to us record this podcast right now because I, after I went off my Marshawn Lynch tangent, the latest pick in this Dynasty draft, 28.09, Jalen Richard. Jalen Richard, of course. You never know. You never know what can happen. Folks, that's the uh, Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at P-U-T Blitz. Myself at Randall Rand. Scott at S-C-O-T-557. You can find us on Facebook. You can email the show, P-U-T-Blitz at gmail.com. Interact with us. Let us know and tell me how badly I buried Scott in that Devontae Freeman versus Christian McCaffrey debate. Yeah, we'll put a poll out so you can you, you guys go vote for Mike Randall. Help help boost his ego. I, trust me, he wins he wins the debate on the poll. It's not going to affect me one way, <laughs> shape, or form. Don't forget to go to draft.com. Use the code PUTB. Get a free entry, free cash entry. Your first deposit of five dollars or more. That's draft.com. Download the app. Get in the best ball league. Have some fun. It's a good time. July is frisky. We'll see you, folks.